Come on, we got anybody in the room that loves Jesus this morning? Make some noise if that is you. Come on, church. Is anybody just glad to be here today? Come on, you're just glad to be in the presence of the Lord. You know, we, we live in a messed up world, don't we? Come on now. And it's just good just to kind of get to escape that, to come into this place to lift up Jesus and what an honor it is to be in worship with you today. Hey, before we jump into the message, let me look in the cameras in the back of the room. I've got to take a moment and say hello to our extended church family. As you know, we're one church in two locations. So we've got our, our church right here in the South Metro Atlanta area. And then 700 miles north of here, we got our Go Church family. Come on, give it up for Go Church. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Let them know you love them. Let them hear you. And a big shout out to my boy, Pastor David Waldrop, our campus pastor there. We love you. We honor you. Come on, let him know you love him because he's doing a great job for us. So proud of you. Also to all of you that are watching via online, I love that our online viewership is growing every single week. And so if you're home today for whatever the reason that you're home, but if you're able to tune in and you're doing that, we want to welcome you online today. Come on, if you're online, give us some likes. Tell us where you're, where you're viewing from so that we can let you know uh, that, that we love you and that we're praying for you. And then, of course, we've got to give honor where honor is due to all of our first responders, all of our military service men and women. We honor you. We applaud you. Come on, both campuses, let them know that you love them. Okay, and one more, one more thing before we jump into uh, week number three on this series on the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, has anybody been enjoying this series on the Holy Spirit? Come on, if that's you, I have loved, loved teaching on this particular uh, topic and subject and person on the Holy Spirit. But before we go there today and we bring this particular series to a conclusion, let me remind you that next Sunday it is on like Donkey Kong, as they say, as the young folks say it. We're having Sunday fun day at both campuses. Come on, on the count of three, say Sunday fun day. One, two, three, Sunday fun day. And like I told you in preparation of this day, Sunday fun day is our uh, friends and family day on spiritual steroids. Come on now. So, so you've got to invite everybody that you know to be here on Sunday fun day. And as the video announcement said, it might even look like a circus around this place. Now with that, I know some of y'all are terrified of clowns. Come on now. There ain't going to be no clowns running around the church. The only clown there's going to be on that Sunday is the devil. Help me preach right now. Come on. Come on, wake up, church. That's funny. That's funny, and that's good, and it's, and it's true. On your way out today, I want to make sure that you get in your hands a stack of Sunday Funday invite cards. Come on, both campuses, you're going to get these. You can take as many stacks as you desire. I want you to pass these out. You've got one week to spread the word. Uh, this place is going to be packed next weekend at both campuses, but we need your help. No matter what marketing tools are out there, still the greatest marketing, the greatest advertising is word of mouth. And if you love your church, come on, do you love your church, make some noise if you love your church. So if you love your church, you got to let people know. So take these Sunday Funday invite cards. Join us for Sunday Funday uh, at both campuses. We're doing a one day at the movies message. It's going to be really unique. You're going to love it. I promise you. We put a lot of hard work into making this day a huge day. And this is the perfect day, the best opportunity to invite uh, your unchurched friends, family members, coworkers, etc. I'm not trying to get you to pull people away from another church. That's important, all right? I'm trying to get people who are not in church to come and be a part of a life-giving church. So help us to do that. It's going to be a great day. Mark, mark your calendars. All right, anybody ready for the word today? Come on, if you're ready, say I'm ready. So we, we've been the last couple of weeks talking about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And if for any reason you missed any of the previous weeks, I want you to jump back online. You can watch the, uh, the replay of last week's message. You can download the podcast and listen to that. As a matter of fact, if you've missed any of our previous messages or series, those are always archived and available for you to, to listen to uh, at some point in your schedule. But we've been focusing in on two primary verses found in the book of Acts and really uh, what's happening in the book of Acts and what we see in Acts chapter 19 uh, is really kind of our driving thought for this whole conversation within this series. Now remember, the book of Acts is a historical record of the first church. The book of Acts is a historical record of, of the early church. And Acts chapter 19 is kind of coming near the end of the book. You following along? So, so we're almost to the end, end of the book. I mean, at this point in Acts 19, you are years into the conversation. You are decades into the resurrection of Jesus and the manifestation of, you know, the Holy Spirit through the day of Pentecost, which I'll tell you more about in just a moment. And, and people are preaching everywhere. I mean, they, they are acting on their experiences, what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've learned, and they're, they're preaching everywhere. And the Bible says that the church is growing, that every day that God is adding to the number of people in his church, and here we are in Acts chapter 19, and all of a sudden they're presented with kind of a, a situation, if you will. So you've got, watch this, verse number two, uh, Apollos is preaching in Corinth. Paul is preaching in Ephesus. They come up on some disciples. Notice, let me go back here because I want you to see this word. Notice disciples. They, they've already had an experience with Jesus. They've already accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They're already Christians. And then watch in verse number two. And Paul says this. He says, hey, to all of the Christians, to all of the disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? And that is what I've been asking you now for three consecutive Sundays. Have you received the person and the power of the Holy Spirit? And watch their response. And you've seen this a few times now if you've been with us throughout this series. They said, no. No, we, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that's what a lot of people say today. And now, now the truth is this, and, and, I, and I, I, I can get it. Most people understand God the Father. Uh, because regardless of the relationship or the dynamic between you and your earthly father, we all have a father. So, so we can kind of understand about the role of God as the Father. And then most people can understand about God being the Son, being Jesus. Because, uh, again, at least there's movies to show us and to tell us about the life, the ministry, and the person of Jesus, but, but so many people don't, don't know about the person of the Holy Spirit. So many people don't even know that there is such thing as the Holy Spirit. And this is why, if you look at this last uh, sentence, if you look at the response of these Christians in the early church, and you consider the, the kind of the, the, the makeup of the church today, this is why I want to do a series on the Holy Spirit, because so many people don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit and we're missing out on the opportunity to be filled with the power that will equip us to do far more than we could do on our own power. Come on, give me a good amen right there. So, so let me show you. I got to do this quick, but let me show you. I, I want to give you a few words that we've been uh, working through 
over the previous two weeks. Uh, obviously, the first one is this, Holy Spirit. It's the title of the series. And so we, we've learned over the last couple of weeks that, that the Holy Spirit just means the breath of God. The Holy Spirit simply means, it means wind. On the count of three, both campuses say the word wind. One, two, three. It, it means wind like, like this, like, like wind in your sails. Like there is a wind in your sails because watch and don't miss this. Your life cannot be powered without wind in your sails. And so we've learned that the Holy Spirit is simply the breath of God or likened to wind. And I've told you that, that translators of Scripture really had a tough time determining what to call this wind, what, what to call this breath. And so in some translations, you'll read about the Holy Spirit. In other translations or, or contexts, you'll hear Holy Ghost. But Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, it's all synonymous with the breath of God, with the wind of God. We looked at, at this uh, Old Testament word, the, the Hebrew word, ruach. And ruach simply means a wind, means a breath. And so, so we learned a little bit more about this understanding of, of the Ruach of God. And I told you that uh, in the very beginning of your Bible, we learned that the Ruach was hovering over the earth, Genesis 1-2. In the New Testament, we learned about this word pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. This is the Greek word because the New Testament is written, written in Greek. And it means a current of air. It means a blast of breath. Now, now you can see why translators had such a hard time giving a name to the person of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't have God the Father, God the Son, God the blast of breath. So, so they, they came to this understanding that we, we will call the person of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the character of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Here's another word. And we kind of kicked it off with this one. We learned about this word, Pentecost. Or being Pentecostal. And, and this, one, this one has so much, some of you, even, even then when I said Pentecost, you got real like tight in your seat, like, oh no, this isn't one of those kind of churches. Yes, it is. It is. You, I don't know where you thought you were coming, baby, but you came to a Pentecostal church. And watch this, especially here, especially here in the Bible Belt, there's so much confusion about what it means to be Pentecostal what it means to attend a Pentecostal church or to experience Pentecost. A lot of people think, well, if you go to a Pentecostal church, that must mean they wear a lot of makeup or no makeup at all. Come on now. <laughs> Being Pentecostal must mean that, that you're a part of a church that's crazy and wild. That, that, that's not, don't say yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's not the true definition of Pentecost. Right? The true definition of Pentecost is that Pentecost is a holiday. It's a holiday that's celebrated. And in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, which we read about as the day of Pentecost, watch this. Uh, and I, I got to say this you can't pick and choose the parts of the Bible that you like and don't like. You, you can't pick and choose parts of the Bible that you want to agree with and that you don't want to agree with. And there, there's a lot of faith groups out there that, that say, well, we'll just omit the book of Acts. It don't work like that. Somebody help me preach right there. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says that when the day 
of Pentecost came. What does that mean? That after the resurrection of Jesus, all of a sudden, there was a power that came down on the believers and they were filled with this dunamis power. And watch this, the true, uh, I mean, the, the most refined definition of the word Pentecost is that God gave them a power to make a difference. To make a difference. That, oh, help me, Jesus. Are you, pray, are you praying for me? Yeah. I need both campuses to pray for me right now because I'm trying to be on really good behavior. But that there, are, there are a lot of spirit-filled churches that claim to be Pentecostal. Okay, and they, they've got all kinds of things happening within their church service. All right, and the spirit is moving. But when the, oh, Jesus, help me. But when the service is ended, they lack a true power to make a difference in a hurting and dying world. Being Pentecostal is not, oh, Jesus, help me, watch this. Being Pentecostal is not about what happens in here. It's about what happens out there. Come on, put your hands together and give me a good amen. Yeah, it's a power to make a difference. And I've told you this every week, and, and I don't want this to get old to you, but the enemy has tried to package uh, the person and the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that you're turned off by it. You're turned off by him that, that you don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, the, the enemy has tried to, to package the Holy Spirit in a way that seems so strange and so weird and so, 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 so kooky. That's not, there is nothing weird about the Holy Spirit. There's nothing strange about the power of Pentecost. People are weird. Come on, give me a good amen. Some of you are sitting next to the weird person. You better not say amen. You know why? Because they thought the same thing about you. Come on now. There's nothing weird or strange about Pentecost. No, people can be weird. People can be strange. But the Holy Spirit is not weird. If you believe that, somebody give me a really good amen right there. And this has been my prayer. And this is, I've, I've tried my best. Uh, to, to help us learn more about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit because I believe in my heart that the more you learn about who he is, you won't run from him, but you'll run to him. That, that the more biblical truth that you and I can have about the Holy Spirit, we'll recognize that I cannot rely on my own power. And thanks be to God, I don't have to because there is a, another power, come on, that I can lean on to help me not only make it through life, but to fulfill the destiny that God has planned for me. Come on, both campuses, give Jesus a big round of applause right there. Now, here's the truth, and this is the direction we'll go today. The truth is this. God has some gifts for all of us. And we should be really glad that God's got some gifts for us. Anybody like gifts? Come on. Have you ever seen the, uh, when, when Oprah had her television show when she would do the, the most outrageous gifts day? And she would stand up there and she would say, you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a new car. Come on, wasn't that awesome? Let me tell you, the gifts that God has better for you, and this isn't a put down to Oprah, but they're far greater than what Oprah can give us. These are God's gifts for his children. 
And I want you to write them down because I don't want you to miss them because the truth is this. Not only, not only do I want you to know about the gifts, but I want you to possess these gifts. As your pastor, as your spiritual tour guide, it's my responsibility to show you the gifts that God has for his children, not so that you can just know about them, but so that you can possess them. And the first one is this. Come on, both campuses, write this down. The first gift is the gift of eternal life. This is salvation. And the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation is offered to every single one of us. As a matter of fact, and you need to know this, and let, let, me, let me say this before we move on. Uh, of all of the gifts that God has for you, you can't receive any other gift until you first get this one. Every other gift that God has for you is contingent upon, by faith, you receiving eternal life through salvation. Uh, let, let me show, show you where this is a perfect, a great verse to show you how the gift of eternal life is actually a gift. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse number 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. That there is a price that you and I have to pay for our sin. That there are consequences. That there is a, there is a, a payment and the payment, watch, the wage, do you see that? The bill that we owe can only be paid in death, that's it. But, but God loves us so much that he said, hey, I'll pay the tab for you. Come on now. So God sent his son, Jesus, for the wages of sin is death. Watch this. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is all about God sending his son Jesus to pay our debt. Anybody thankful for the gift of salvation? Come on, put your hands together right there. Come on, applaud the Lord if you're glad for the gift of eternal life. And I, before I move on, I want to make sure you understand something. Okay, watch this. This gift, the gift of salvation, the, the gift of, of eternal life, it stands alone. It stands alone. And some of you need to be freed from this, so I'm going to say it. You, you cannot earn the gift of salvation. You, you cannot work for your salvation. You can't even go to church enough and be saved. You, you can't read your Bible enough and say, God, I read my Bible through this month. Am I saved now? It doesn't work like that. You can't even give enough money to be saved. Although you can try that when we got texts to give at both campuses. Come on now. And you can't give enough money and say, okay, well, I've, I've paid my way into this gift. No, you can't serve enough. You can't do enough good to consider to be saved. It is a free gift that is offered by grace. Somebody say grace. grace. Remember this summer when we did our series on the book of Ephesians? Wasn't that awesome, by the way? We looked at this particular verse uh, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, and it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, not through serving, not through giving money, 
Not through reading your Bible on its own. No, 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 no. You've been saved by grace through faith. And watch this. And this is not from yourself. You can't do anything to earn it. And you and I, we don't deserve it. But it is the, say it with me, both campuses on three, the last three words. Ready? One, two, three. It is the gift of God. It's the gift of God. And here's why I keep reiterating over and over the fact that you can't earn this gift or you can't work for this gift. Because the next gifts that we talk about, you're going to have to do some things. But this one stands on its own. It is the free gift. And let me say this to both of our campuses. If you're here today and you are not saved, you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Ask him to come into your heart. Do not delay. Do, do not delay. It is a free gift. He says, here, I've, I've paid the penalty. I, 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 took, I took the sin, I put it on my shoulders, and all you have to do is believe. I, I'll, provide, I'll provide the grace. You just gotta provide the faith. Ask me into your life, and everything changes. Here's what I need. Between both campuses, I need about 500 people that are saved and thankful for the gift of salvation. To put your hands together right there, come on. The greatest decision that you and I could ever make now watch this. Let me say this to every person listening online, in this room, at Go Church. God has a plan for your life. You are not a mistake. God, God has an assignment for your life. He has a plan for your life. But in order to fulfill the plan that God has for you, you have to receive the gift of salvation. The gift of salvation. And once you receive that gift, then you open up the portal to the other gifts that are there. Come on, that's really good, isn't it? And it's really neat how God works. Here's the second gift. Not only does he give us the gift of eternal life, which is the gift of salvation, but he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to see this in Scripture. He gives us the gift of eternal life. That, that's salvation. And then he says, okay, now, now I've got another gift. Anybody glad that there's more than one gift? Come on now. Come on, some of you at your birthday party, you just keep asking, is there another one? Is there another one? Is there another one? And he says, I want to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he's saying, Acts chapter 1, a couple of verses. He says, look, I've, I've gone to the cross. I, I bore the stripes on my back. I, I, pay, I paid your penalty for the sin that you committed and the sins that you will commit. And he says, now, and he's talking to the disciples, and, it, and it's still true for us today. He says, but now you need to wait. I, I, I want you to wait for the gift my father has promised. Do you see it? He, he says, this is the other gift. Yeah, you accepted me as Lord and Savior. Praise be to God. But while you are on this planet, while you're on this earth, you are going to need a power. And he says, I want you to wait for this gift. This is the other gift. He said, and it's the gift that my father promised. And you've heard me talk about it. And watch what he says. He says, and he brings some clarification here. He says, John baptized with water. He, he's talking right here about the gift of salvation. He says, look, John talked about the gift of salvation. I, I paid the penalty 
on the cross so that you might be saved. He says, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a separate experience. Now let me pause right there because some of our theology may not match. I'm a firm believer that the only way that we can experience the gift of salvation is through the drawing of the Holy Spirit to a place of conviction and then repentance. Okay, it's the, it's the pull of the Holy Spirit to say, you need to come into alignment. You need to come into alignment. However, there is a difference between the inflowing of the Holy Spirit and the outflowing of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? And he says, John baptized using water. Yeah, that's a gift of salvation. He says, but in a few days, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've been waiting each week to get to here, right here. And I don't want you to miss this. So, So how do we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit? Pastor JC, for the last two and a half weeks, you've been telling us about the person and the power. I'm hungry to tap into this power. I'm desperate to have my own Pentecost experience. I've been waiting on this gift. Now, now what do I need to do? The first thing is this. You've got to empty yourself. If, if we desire to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, then we must empty ourselves. Listen to me. We, we've got to figure out a way to, to empty ourselves of some of the hangups, to empty ourselves of, of some of the, the fears, to empty ourselves of some of the misperceptions or misunderstandings about, about the Holy Spirit. We have to evaluate our lives and say, okay, God, I don't want there to be anything in the way of me tapping into the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because it's in the Bible, so, so we know that the person and the power of the Holy Spirit is real. I told you in week one, over 800 times in your Bible, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. So I want to, if this gift is available, if you're saying that there is a gift of the Holy Spirit available, then, then I want it. What do I need to do? It starts with empty, emptying ourselves. And here's the question, write this down. What do you need to do to empty yourself And what what, what do you need to do to empty yourself of something so that you can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? What is it that you need to empty yourself of? To say, okay, God, I want to be empty so that you can fill me up. Because you can't be full of it. And then expect God to just fill it up from there. We've got to be empty vessels and then say, okay, God, I I have gotten rid of all of the stuff that's there to say to you now, fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. So we've got to get rid of some things in order for him to fill us up. Here's the second thing that you need to do. It's not just a responsibility to empty ourselves, but we must reposition ourselves. We've got to, if you want to be filled with this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, we must reposition ourselves. Remember last week, it won't be on the screen for you, but last week we talked about uh, John chapter 3, verse number 8. And and Jesus was talking here in John chapter 3, and he says, he says, the wind, the pneuma, the wind blows wherever it pleases. Wherever the Spirit decides to blow, 
the spirit will move. He says, you hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from, and you have no idea where it's going. So if, if the wind blows, if the spirit blows, wherever it chooses and whenever he chooses, then we need to position ourselves to experience him. So if the Holy Spirit is moving whenever and wherever, then like a sailboat, we must reposition ourselves, adjust ourselves so that we can experience the moving of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell, you, let me tell it to you like this. I want to get in the way of where the Spirit is moving. I, I, I want to posture myself, position myself to get in the way of wherever the Holy Spirit is moving. And the truth is this, for your life and for mine, most of the time, my position and your position, let me, let me not talk about you, let me just talk about me for a minute. Most of the time, my position is aimed to benefit me. To benefit me. My stuff, my way, my wants, my needs, making decisions that are for my best interest. And oftentimes we omit the responsibility to say, okay, Lord, it's not, it's not about me. It's not about, it's about where are you moving? Where, where are you speaking? What, what are you saying? And then let me adjust my sails in that direction so that I can get in the way of the move of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is always moving. And sometimes you say, I can't, I can't feel him. Like I can't sense the presence of God. Maybe it's not him. Maybe he's waiting on you to just adjust some things in your life. To, to redirect some things. To reposition some things. And to say, hey, listen to me. I'm moving, but you've got to move too. Because I told you, the gift, the gift of salvation, that's free. You get it. But if you want the gift of the Holy Spirit, you, you have something that you're required to do. And you've got to empty yourself, and then you've got to reposition yourself as well. Write this question down, and I pray that, that over the next few nights you really consider these questions that I'm submitting to you. How, how can we reposition our time? How, how can we reposition our schedule? God, I don't, I don't feel you moving in my life. Well, yeah, because you don't give me 10 minutes a day. God, I don't know. I, I can't feel you. Yeah, because you stay on Facebook. God, God, I can't feel you. Yeah, because you're so worried about making money, you'll work overtime instead of spending overtime with me. And I'm not telling you to quit your job either, by the way. Okay, what I'm saying to you, though, is this, is that you've got to reposition some things, your time, your schedule, your finances. God, I don't, I don't feel you moving. That's because you're still hanging out with, with, with the guy that you know you shouldn't be in a relationship with, and you say you love me, but obviously you care more about hanging out with him than you do saying, hey, I love you, but this isn't right. Those friendships that we stay connected to. Well, what, do we got, what do we got to empty ourselves of and reposition ourselves so that we can receive the Holy Spirit? So he's got some gifts. Everybody, are we good today? Everybody good? Come on. He's got some gifts. He's got the gift of salvation, then he's got the gift of the Holy Spirit, and there's one more that I want you to see. 
let me, let me introduce you to one more word. So many words that we've learned together. Here's one more word, and it's the Greek word, charis. That, that this, uh, this Greek word is where we get our English word, charisma, or charismatic. Do you see that? It's the root word there, charis. And charis, again being Greek, the language of the New Testament, simply means two words. And these two words are the third gift that God offers all of us. He says, hey, I've got the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. I want you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and by the way, I've got some charis for you. It simply means your grace gift or the spiritual gifts. He says, look, I'm offering and providing a way for you to get out of your sin-filled life so that you can uh, inherit eternal, everlasting life. Uh, I've given you the opportunity to be filled with the power that is far greater than your natural power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and by the way, I'm not done working. I've also got gifts, spiritual gifts, grace gifts, some charis that I've deposited on the inside of you so that you can completely be right, right, equipped with everything needed to fulfill the destiny that I've placed over you and on you. This is absolutely breathtaking. God, God thought of it all. He thought of all of it. And I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking a little bit more about the spiritual gifts because unfortunately, just like the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, so many people, again, they're confused with the spiritual gifts. They're confused. Watch, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, hey, now about the spiritual gifts. He says, brothers, listen to me. I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, that, that's a tough word in our culture today. But I think what he's trying to say is, hey, I don't want you to be in the dark about this. I don't want you to be confused about this. And this is what I've learned. The, the more that I pick up my Bible and I study about the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, the more I learn about the, the spiritual gifts that God has given us, the more I survey the, the state of the church at large, the more I realize is that most people don't have a problem with spiritual gifts. They just have a problem with one. And that's the gift of tongues. So, so people will say, hey, give me the gift of faith. Come on, I'll, I'll take the gift of faith. Give me the gift of serving. Give me the gift of mercy. But I don't want nothing to do with the gift of tongues. And, and I'll tell you what breaks my heart is this. Let me say a few things about this. What breaks my heart is this, is that we should never, ever treat any gift from God as some repulsive thing. If, if God has something for us, I say, give it to me, Lord. Right? I'm not going to treat a gift in a way just because I don't know about the gift or I'm, I'm fearful of the gift. As a matter of fact, Paul, uh, in his writings, he talks about uh, and he lists the spiritual gifts. And there are over 27 gifts that, that Paul talks about. However, and this is just me, you can do your own study. I don't believe that that list that Paul created was meant to be an exhaustive list. I think the list was meant to be a, a representative list. 
Kind of like this, if I said, hey, let me list for you some of the, the states in our country. Florida, Georgia, Maryland, Texas, California. That's not the full list, is it? It's just a list that represents some of the states within our country. And I think this is what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, hey, I'm just going to rattle off a few of, the, few of the lists, but it's not the gifts, but it's not an exhaustive list. As a matter of fact, if you go all the way back to the Old Testament and Exodus chapter 31, verse number 3, I want you to see this. The Bible says this, and I have filled them with the Spirit of God. What you're about to see here in Exodus 31, verse number 3, is, at least to my knowledge, some of the first humans that we see being filled with the Spirit of God and then putting their spiritual gift on display. He says, I'm going to fill them with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with the knowledge of craftsmanship. One of the first spiritual gifts we see is the gift to build things with our hands. But Paul never listed craftsmanship in his list. So it's not an exhaustive list. It's a list that is more representative. Come on, give me a good amen right there. So, so we have to not be ignorant or in the dark about the spiritual gifts. God has gifts for us, all of them. And I want you to see this. Let me keep going. We're running out of time. I got so much to say. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says that a spiritual gift is given to each one of us, not so that we can have wild church services, not so that we can wave our flags, run around the building, shake our tambourines. Let me tell you, by the way, this campus and the other campus is a tambourine-free zone. Come on, somebody. You want to play the tambourine, try out in the band, okay? And why is it the tambourine per person can never stay on beat? I wish somebody helped me preach right there. It's not, it's not for that. No, he says, uh, there are spiritual gifts given to who? Each of us. Every one of you, God has given you a gift. Why? So we can help each other. So that we can help each other. This is the point that I'm trying to make. Your, your gift has an assignment attached to it. Your, your gift has an assignment attached to it. And let me bring this whole conversation full circle. This is why the enemy is so terrified of what might happen if you ever walk in alignment with your assignment. That, that's why the enemy fights so hard, so hard to make sure that you never, ever, ever figure out what your spiritual gift is. So that you never let that spiritual gift be stirred up on the inside of you. He's going to fight you with everything that he's got. Because the moment that you recognize, wait a minute, I've got the gift of eternal life. God's given me the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's filled me with supernatural spiritual gifts so that I can help other people watch out somebody. Once you recognize, wait a minute, I'm not a mistake. I wasn't an accident. I was born for such a time as this. Bef bef while I was in my mother's womb, I was appointed, come on church, to be a prophet to the nations. God's got a plan for my life, and he's equipped me to fulfill that plan. Wow. Now when you get in that zone, everything changes. And you recognize I've got a responsibility to help each other. Let me show you this. This is my prayer, and I'll pray for you. My prayer 
is that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. That you lay aside your religious upbringings or lack thereof. And that you say, God, if there is more gifts, give them to me. My prayer is that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and then you discover your gift. Fill, fill me up, God. Not, not so that I can brag. No, not so that I can boast. But fill me up so I can discover the gift that you've put on the inside of me. I, I will preach this until Jesus comes back. I'll preach this truth right here. Watch this. God did not create you and then give you a purpose. God had a purpose, and so he created you. Let me show it to you. Let me get here so they can see it on the screen at both campuses. God did not create you and then give you a purpose. He didn't say, okay, what can I do with Joe? What, what can I do with Sarah? What can I do with Daryl or Victoria? No, no, no. He said, I've got, I've got this purpose, so I will make this individual with unique gifts so that they can accomplish the very thing that I've set them on assignment to accomplish. And you've got to first discover the gift. And the only way to discover the gift is to get close to the designer because your design always reveals your destiny. Here's what I'm trying to say. How you are made points to what you're supposed to do. I gotta hurry, I've gotta hurry. Give me a few more minutes. Come on, both campuses and I'll hurry. Watch this. Uh, the Psalmist David, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together while I was in my mother's womb. Watch what he, watch what he says. Come on, some of you, you've wrestled with this complexity of character. Thinking God, you must have forgotten me when you were making humanity. I've got no gifts, I've got no talents, I've got no abilities, no. He says this, he says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. He says, your workmanship, we are a masterpiece. God does not make mistakes. He says, your workmanship is marvelous. And then watch this last line. He says, how well I know it. You wanna discover your gift, you gotta get close to the designer. Then the second thing is this, I want you to see this. Not only do we pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and discover your gift, but then we pray that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you discover your gift, and then you develop your gift. And the reason you need to develop your gift is because when you discover it, it's not perfect. It, it, needs, some, it needs some working out. And truthfully, that's, that's the job of your church, to help you at least. We believe our job is to help you receive the gift of salvation our job is to, to help you learn about the person of the Holy Spirit so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then our job is to help you develop or discover and develop that gift. Here it is right here. Watch this, Ephesians chapter four. A few verses here, and I'll, I'll summarize them together if you'll allow me that opportunity. But to each one of us, charis. Do you see that? Charis a grace gift, a spiritual gift has been given as Christ apportioned it. 
Watch what he says in the following verses. So Christ himself gave, it's the fivefold ministry of the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, and don't miss this line, to equip his people for the work of the ministry. He says, I want you to discover your gift, and then I want you to develop the gift, and here's why. This is it, watch. And then you need to deploy your gift. This is your purpose. And I believe in my heart that you'll never truly experience life to the full until you've received salvation, you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you've discovered your gift, you've developed your gift, and then you start using your gift. And I'll be careful here not to stand on a soapbox because time is over. But between our two campuses, hundreds of you, hundreds of you, weekend and week out, you sit. You sit. And you come to church, you sing the songs, you listen to me yell at you. Thank you for doing that, by the way. And you sit. And you wonder, why do I not feel fulfilled? I'm saved. Yeah, you're saved. Thank God for salvation. But are you filled with the Holy Spirit and have you discovered that gift or those gifts on the inside of you? Have you developed them? Have you matured them? And are you using those gifts? I've always said this. I refuse to beg people to serve the local church. I'm not gonna do that. But God has given you some unique talents, gifts, and abilities that, that if you said, God, I, I'm willing to use them to advance the kingdom of God, man, what he could do in this church body at our Go Church campus by the talent that's in this room to make a difference out there in this world, that's what this is about. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, God has given Charis. He's given spiritual gifts to each one of you from, and here it is again, from his great variety. Don't limit God on the gifts that he can give. On his great variety of spiritual gifts, manage them well. Are you managing the spiritual gifts that God has deposited on the inside of you? Manage them well so that God's generosity, this is more than just money, by the way, can flow through you. Uh, I would be disappointed in myself if I didn't make a plug. And here's the plug. This is why we do move track. It's why we do move track. Move track is so much more than just church membership. Move track is an opportunity. And we're doing move track at both of our campuses in the month of October. So you need to sign up. Go to the website, uh, download the app, stop by the next steps counter table, you know, out in the lobbies. This is why we do move track. Not so that you can just be a member at the church, come on. So that you can discover the gift, develop the gift, and then deploy this gift. And when you are operating in the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you're operating in the spiritual gifts, I'm telling you there is a fulfillment in your life that makes you experience a sense of accomplishment knowing that your life has meaning, it has purpose, and it has value.